Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. Sundays are sad for me. The Packers are two and five. And then I've got Packers on my fantasy football team, and that's even worse. <sighs> I'm going to go back to like being depressed by national media. <laughs> Here in, on Monday morning, we were once again treated to the so-called free press just repeating the press releases of terrorist groups who run their little territories like ruthless dictators. I'm talking about Hamas in Gaza. I thought these reporters just love democracy. But with Israel versus Hamas, they favor the size that hates democracy, especially when Jews get to vote, which makes them almost as mad as Jews being allowed to live. The AP headline this morning, Gaza receives largest aid shipment so far, as deaths top 8,000 and Israel widens military offensive. Yeah, the, the, the notable part there is the 8,000 death count. Who is that? Let's guess. Paragraph two. The Gaza Health Ministry said the death toll among Palestinians past 8,000, mostly women and minors. Mostly women and minors. Nope, sorry, haven't gotten a militant yet. Those Israelis are awfully inept. They're only killing civilians. If you listen to the Gaza Health Ministry. Now, you're looking at this AP byline from Gaza, and I don't mean to sound, I don't know, prejudiced, but the byline is by Wafa Sharafa, Sami Magdi, and Kareem Chehayeb. Now, I guess that's where you find your reporters who are already based in the Middle East. But we have this problem that when you hire reporters in the Middle East or videographers, like the Hitler-loving videographer at the New York Times, a lot of times when you hire people for dangerous work in the Middle East, you get <laughs> neo-Nazis or, you know, Hamas supporters. Um, you at least get this sort of thing where Hamas is treated like, well, just any other politician, you know. Yes, I took a look. I found a Twitter account for Kareem Chahayab. Uh Recent tweets, October 25, Kareem from Lebanon. Hezbollah leader meets with senior Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad figures. A leader meets with figures. They're not even militants. It could be a leader of the Democrats and a figure in the Republican Party, the way this guy's describing it. Their goal was to achieve, quote, a real victory for the resistance in Gaza and Palestine, unquote. Halt Israel's, quote, treacherous and brutal aggression in Gaza and West Bank. Okay, Kareem, how about the treacherous and brutal aggression after Hamas slaughtered thousands of innocent people? <laughs> Context? Who needs that? Kareem tweets, October 29, this is on Sunday. More of the same. Hezbollah Secretary General Hassan Nasrallah 
speaks next Friday. It will be the Lebanese leader's first public address since the start of latest war in blockaded Palestinian Gaza Strip. Dozens of Hezbollah fighters have died in ongoing clashes with Israeli troops this past month. So here in this one tweet, the lead terrorist of Hezbollah is a secretary general, he's the Lebanese leader, and the terrorist forces are just Hezbollah fighters. Bill D'Agostino has a new video for us at Newsbusters under the headline, Why Are Journalists Knowingly Helping Hamas Spread Propaganda? Now, we had a little bit of internal discussion about, can I say knowingly? It's like, yes, obviously. They know who Hamas is. They certainly know when they say the Palestinian Health Ministry or the Gaza Health Ministry. They know who this group is. And yet they present them as an authoritative source of information in Gaza. Just listen to Bill's medley. It might make you just a little bit sick. The health ministry in Gaza, run by Hamas, says more than 7,000 Palestinians have been killed. NBC News now learning between 200 and 300 people were killed in a bombing targeting a hospital. That's according to a spokesperson for the Palestinian health ministry. Palestinian health authorities say the hospital was struck by an Israeli attack. Hamas is saying that this was... Uh, the Israeli Defense Force. That is what many people here believe. What the Palestinian government is calling a war crime. A direct hit from an Israeli airstrike. This hit on the hospital. Directly hit by an Israeli strike. The hospital strike. There is a sort of both sides pointing the finger at one another. This kind of death toll is not what you normally associate with Palestinian rockets. Hamas does not have the kind of munitions that could do this kind of damage. Hamas officials say the death toll in the Gaza Strip is now over 6,000. Hamas says Israeli airstrikes have killed more than 7,000 Palestinians. Hamas says Israeli strikes in Gaza have killed almost 50 hostages. According to the Palestinian Health Ministry. According to the Palestinian Health Ministry. According to Palestinian health officials. Palestinian health officials. According to Hamas officials according to uh, Hamas officials. We spoke to a senior Hamas official. That's not only according to Hamas and Palestinian authorities on the ground in Gaza, but that's according to international rights groups, according to people we've been speaking to. New reaction to President Biden's visit to the Middle East from a spokesperson from Hamas. There are instances in the past where the Israeli military has said things in the immediate aftermath of an incident that have turned out not to be true in the long run. In the blog that came with this, Bill underlined that uh, MSNBC's reporter Raf Sanchez was featured on the Nicole Wallace Liberal Wine Mom Story Hour, if I may borrow from Curtis. And he said, there are instances in the past where the Israeli military has said things in the immediate aftermath of an incident that have turned out not to be true in the long run. Guess what, Sanchez? In this particular case of the supposedly Israeli airstrike hospital, Hamas has turned out not to be true in the long run. As Bill concluded, these reporters aren't stupid. They know who Hamas is. Apparently, they just don't care that they're citing a terror group with a storied history of inflating death tolls by several orders of magnitude. 
in order to garner public support. Yes, that is the newsbusters' point in all of this, is that you can't simply use them like they're an objective source of information. But they're all doing it. I guess they can do it. But it's especially outrageous that after years of being lectured by these so-called disinformation specialists in the major media, they're now spreading disinformation on behalf of Hamas. Networks like MSNBC that told us Hunter Biden's laptop had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Yeah, their daily reports bear the hallmarks of Hamas disinformation. Why don't they go out and find people in the American intelligence community who will tell them who Hamas is and who actually bombed the hospital or the hospital parking lot? Curtis Houck has a piece on Newsbusters on Benjamin Goggin, who is a deputy tech editor at NBC News. Steve Guest, who works for Ted Cruz, tweeted, Ben Goggin is a Hamas-defending editor who allegedly is an expert in quote-unquote extremism. For the better part of the last month, he has been routinely laundering propaganda for a terrorist organization. And then we get another AP headline about an anti-Semitic mob looking for Jews. You can't have Jews flying in from Israel. The AP headline was, Crowd storms Russian airport to protest flight from Israel. Even People Magazine did better than that. Their headline was, Crowd storms Russian airport looking for Jews. <laughs> Still just a crowd. It's not even yet an angry crowd. Later, some people had anti-Semitic mob. That would be a little closer. AP did eventually change this headline to throw in the words anti-Semitic riot. But Benjamin Goggin has been writing articles like this. Palestinian Health Ministry says 132 babies under one year old have been killed in the conflict with Israel. Yeah, th see, this is exactly the kind of quote-unquote facts that Goggin just accepts from the Palestinian Health Ministry as they claim there are 2,600 dead children. Here's what Goggin is saying overall. This was one tweet that I think underlines the whole thesis. The report illustrates an information crisis facing Gazans. Only Hamas-run authorities could possibly provide such data. But critics say it's inherently untrustworthy because it's coming from a Hamas-run org. Meanwhile, journalists are still not being allowed in Gaza. So he's openly making a case that we should all rely on Hamas-run authorities for our data. Somehow it can't be argued that they have a history of lying. It also can't be argued that they're especially going to have a history of lying about the Jews they want to kill. One of the things that journalists do is they imply authority to the sources they want to endow with authority 
while they seek to damage the credibility of people they just can't stand. I mean, you could go back to the Hunter Biden laptop. That had to be discredited. It had to be, it doesn't matter what's actually on the laptop, it's coming from Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. We don't have to actually look at the information. We just have to tell you who actually has the laptop. Well, guess who else had the laptop? The FBI. But the FBI really didn't want to share. Isn't that interesting? So in the current context of news, it is not inaccurate to say that journalists in America are more willing to accept press releases from terrorists than they would ever accept a statement from Donald Trump or other Republicans or their idea of, you know, conservative talk radio wackos. Take, for example, Mark Finkelstein's latest piece at Newsbusters from Morning Joe, where George Conway, Mr. Kellyanne Conway, is soothing those savages on MSNBC by predicting Trump will spend the rest of his life in jail. Oh, what a relief that is for MSNBC viewers. It's like putting extra sweetener in that sugar-free vegan almond milk latte. I like a latte myself. I don't need a vegan one, though. I'm from Wisconsin. I want some dairy in there. Anyway, my point simply being, when you hate Trump, you'll accept any authority and try to present your fellow Trump haters in the most objective terms. So here's Mika Brzezinski. She comes on and she announces, the New York State Attorney General's office announced on Friday, they plan on calling Trump's oldest children to the stand on separate days this week. So that would be the original triad. Donald Jr., Ivanka, Eric. Conway added... Trump's children will be called as hostile witnesses, witnesses who are not cooperating with the plaintiff, the plaintiff here being the state of New York. See, notice the trend here. Trump is being opposed by the New York State Attorney General's office. The plaintiff here being the state of New York, not even the blue state of New York, the Democrat-dominated state of New York the elected Democrat attorney general in New York. <laughs> we have a study by Rich Noyes noticing they just routinely, almost always, ignore the partisan nature of these prosecutors. Alvin Bragg, Letitia James, Jack Smith too, and Fonnie Willis. They ignore these very, very routinely. Much more often than not, they can't say Fonnie Willis is an elected Democrat. Alvin Bragg is an elected Democrat. Letitia James is an elected Democrat. Nobody on MSNBC was going to notice out loud that James ran for office in 2018, proclaiming it was fueling my soul to go after a quote-unquote illegitimate president. She said that a lot, that Trump was illegitimate. That would make her what? An election denier. Now, there's this funny PolitiFact article I found trying to put a Trump video earlier this year in, quote-unquote, context. 
Trump was attacking Miss Letitia. And, you you know, what you got while PolitiFact was trying to put this in context was a whole lot of hate speech from Letitia James about how this illegitimate president is taking our rights away and he has to be opposed and he has to be sued and he has, he has to be taken down, taken apart. But they just present them as the New York State Attorney General's office today. I hear that in my NPR top of the hour newscast. The New York State Attorney General's office is doing something that sounds oh so official. We're not going to present it as Democrats are going to Democrat. Speaking of which, did you see 60 Minutes on Sunday night? 60 Minutes has just become, in the month of October, the go-to Biden-Harris campaign show. On October 1, Merrick Garland tears up talking about relatives who perished in the Holocaust and professing, oh no, we here at the Justice Department aren't weaponized to attack Trump. Oh no, no, no. We are the essence of nonpartisanship. On October 15, Scott Pelley will interview Joe Biden and nibble on his glasses. Then on October 29, they assigned Bill Whitaker, their black correspondent, to interview Kamala Harris. Bill Whitaker, uh, you know, this was a pile of softballs. But Brent Baker isolated this particular line, which is pretty puketastic. If politics is a game, Kamala Harris has proven herself to be a savvy player, forging a career that has gone from one first to another. Oh, yes. So she was the first black woman to be a DA. And she was the first black woman to be attorney general of California. She's the first black woman to be a senator from California. She's the first black woman to be the vice president of the United States. All right. She's obviously successfully promoted herself in her career. Does that make her a savvy player? Is savvy player the word you use for her right now? Has she been a savvy player on the border? Has she been a savvy player on gun violence? I mean, name an issue. Has she been a savvy player in preventing uh the end of Roe versus Wade. <laughs> Is she preventing inflation because she's a savvy player? Um, and then, of course, Whitaker does this whole thing like, does being a woman of color that has all these firsts, does that added pressure? That's, that's considered somehow a logical question to ask. I mean, that is the ultimate. Like, you just watch these shows and you're like, oh, aren't you nice? Now, there was a couple things in there where Bill Whitaker thought, well, gosh, we've got to ask something that acknowledges reality. I mean, they, they started with the sort of the White House points, like, what say you about Israel and Ukraine? They run through that for a while. They eventually get to politics. So Whitaker says to her, a recent CBS poll found at the beginning of President Biden's term, 70% of young people, people under 30, said he was doing a good job. Now it's less than 50%. Why is that? What's going on? See, that's the nature of softballs is, I'm a moron. I have no idea why Biden's numbers went down. 
I don't know. Just because you it's a box of Wheaties is eight dollars. And there's there's you know illegal immigrants sleeping all over the streets of New York doesn't mean the things are going badly. <laughs> and of course, Kamala Harris goes right to, well, if we're talking about young people, we've got to talk like our political consultants and say, young people really care about the climate. Young people really care about, hey, bribe me by paying my student loans. Harris said, if you pull how young people feel about the climate and the warming of our planet, it pulls as one of their top concerns. When we talk about what we are doing with student loan debt, pulls very high. The challenge that we have as an administration is we got to let people know who brung it to them. And then she has one of those cringy Kamala laughs. Did she really brung the student loan debt? I mean, that's kind of getting overturned. They've done a little bit of the student loan forgiveness, as much as they can do forcing things through executive action. I thought you loved democracy. No, no, no. We believe in executive power just shoving things through. We're going to executive order that puppy. We don't need democracy. We don't need courts. We don't need Congress. We're going to do all this on our own. Yeah, they always have this belief that climate, oh, we're doing so much for the climate with our so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Anyway, after the cringy laugh, Kamala claimed, it's not that the work we are doing is not very, very popular with a lot of people. Okay, let's just pretend. He just told her, you're polling among young people's beginning to stink. And she's saying, we're... What we're doing is, you can't say it's not very, very popular. Actually, yeah, we could. We could say that's reality. And then Whitaker doesn't really challenge her, really. He just followed with this line as an unintentional LOL. She blames the disconnect in part on lack of media coverage. (laughs) As if... Repeated 60 minutes puff pieces don't count as making up for the so-called lack of media coverage. Now, Whitaker did admit Kamala's approval rating and Joe Biden's approval rating are at 41% in the latest CBS poll. But, of course, he tried to say, he used the words, "Um, they're not very popular right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's a softball it. You know, so he'd basically say, um, uh, incursions at the border at an all-time high. What's with that? And, of course, Kamala blames Congress. Oh, the Republicans are making it worse. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> We're CBS. We accept really silly answers no one should believe. You know, if we'll believe Hamas, why wouldn't she believe uh, Kamala Harris? And, of course, then Whitaker does push this whole notion of, um, we've talked to Democrat donors who have said if anything should happen to the president, um, they wouldn't naturally fall in line with you? Basically suggesting, you know, if something goes wrong with Biden, there's a lot of Democrats that don't want to just stick with Kamala. They don't think that's going to work. Why would you take the gun guy that's at 41% and say, you know what we need? We need the lady at 41%. That's a sure bet. <laughs> but she's sort of like, Joe Biden is very much alive. Well, we 
we noticed he's alive. He's not always cogent, but he's alive. Uh, but it's it's just funny the way that 60 Minutes is just lining up and saying, hey, give us another chance to soft soap your agenda. Is that really what we need and deserve? Now, I'll point out to you once again, after the Joe Biden piece on October 15, then in the same show, they were like, and now here's Sharon Alfonsi to rip Ron DeSantis a new one, that he's basically some sort of criminal because he sent illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> basically, he should be locked up in a cell with Donald Trump. Somewhere, you know, maybe they'll both be under house arrest at Mar-a-Lago or something. I don't know why these people expect they should be taken seriously. Now, we did a couple things over the weekend. Clay Waters did the New York Times. I handled the Washington Post. Uh, but the both newspapers, of course, hate Elon Musk taking over Twitter. And on the one-year anniversary, it's a crappy anniversary. Everything has gone wrong, according to our pre-selected experts. And, of course, a lot of those experts are people Elon Musk fired. Oh, they're not disgruntled sources at all. They're not the, the sort of people that suppressed everything that might make Biden look bad is going to say, oh, well, now everything is bad. There's so much misinformation now out there because everybody knows the Hunter Biden laptop is real, I guess. But, uh, yes, the thing that upset them the most in the Washington Post story is Twitter removed uh, the uh, mainstream media. You're not the mainstream media. They don't have that pride of place as the blue check place you get your information. Now people can just buy a blue check. Yeah. Well, and you can fuss about that is that the blue check used to be supposedly giving you a uh, you know, an authority, the question is, did you deserve it? But as we know, all of these social media companies, including Google and the TikTok and the nine, all the whole nine yards, believe that the Washington Post, the New York Times, ABC, CBS, NBC, NPR, PBS, CNN, you know, they can lie their faces off about Israel bombing a hospital and they're still 100% reliable. Anybody that's trying to imply that's not the case, well, they must be ruining Twitter. So to see the way that's all lining up, that's why you come to Newsbusters. We'll keep you up to date once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>